You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for everything related to Star Wars Episodes 7, 8, and 9 and the future of the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. But I imagine my weekend wasn't as exciting as yours, being able to go to the Phoenix Comic Con, which I'm sure was really cool. Yeah, it was a pretty cool weekend. Uh, Yeah, like you said, I was up at Phoenix Comic Con this past Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, actually got to go for free. I got a media pass to go and interview people and stuff. If you heard me talk about that on the last episode, I actually didn't end up getting to kind of set up any one-on-one interviews but I did go to Sam Witwer's Q&A panel, and that was a great time. He talked about a lot of cool stuff and um, you know, definitely talked some Star Wars. A lot of people asked him about The Force Unleashed and Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff. And I did record audio of the whole thing on my phone along with uh, our friend Jason Hunt over on the Wampus Lair podcast who was on our show a couple episodes ago. He and I went together and, uh, you know, we're doing a whole lot of Star Wars stuff around there. But we went to that panel together and uh, I started recording it and then actually went and got in line to ask a question. And so he recorded a lot of it, too. So, but uh, yeah, it was a good time. And, you know, aside from the Sam Witwer panel, just being at Comic-Con is always fun. You see people walking around in costumes and uh, you know, just hanging out with fellow geeks and, you know, a lot of cool Star Wars stuff going on there in addition to, you know, Harry Potter and Doctor Who and all those other, you know, nerdy fandoms. And I know it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, good time. Yeah, looking at your pictures, you took a lot of good pictures with some cool costumes over there, like Star Wars. And then there was even a good one uh, with someone in the Witch King outfit. Yeah, then, yeah. But I then when saw that guy that. dressed up as a Gandalf came, that costume didn't look too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, my sister Kayla was the one who took – or actually, no, I think I took that picture, but she was the one who showed him to me. Um, you know, I found her, and she was like, oh, did you see the guy in the Witch King costume? And then we happened to see, you know, Gandalf there with him. But we were joking that Gandalf looked a little bit more like Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> just to, maybe just because he had glasses on, but I was like, that guy kind of looks like Dumbledore with Gandalf's hat on. Yeah, it also was cool, too. Um like that display they had where I guess you could pose as uh, having to shoot out with Greedo. I thought yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool In fact, Well, yeah, they had the, uh, the 501st Legion was there, and they kind of had their own little corner of the show floor where it was, um, you know, a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff. They had this really cool display. I don't think I took any pictures of it because I actually had seen kind of a similar thing when I was there a couple of years ago. But they had this big display of just a whole bunch of Star Wars Lego sets and, uh, you know, just had a whole bunch of those around this big table. And that was cool. But then, yeah, like you said, they had a bunch of different sort of scenery things where you could, uh, you know, take pictures with people in costumes. And there was a, you know, a Greedo dummy set up at a cantina table and they had like a, a blaster sort of attached to the table by a cable. And you could, you know, come and sit at the table and pick up the blaster and pretend like you were shooting at Greedo. 
And uh, it's funny, Jason actually took a picture of me doing that. And I took two pictures. I took one where I'm kind of just sitting there in a casual pose shooting at him. And then I took one where we called it special edition, where I'm like <laughs> ducking over to the side real quick and then shooting at him. <laughs> but, so that's uh, when you did two of them where one you shot first and the one Greedo shot first. Exactly. <laughs> of course, we all know which one really counts, but, you know. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, then there was a, uh, you know, there was like a Moss Eisley cantina bar type thing. And they had, you know, I, I think when I went there, they had, oh, actually they had a Cad Bane. Uh, they had a guy there dressed up as Cad Bane and a Darth Revan. And, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, just leaned back against the bar and got a picture with those guys. We all had like drinks in our hands. They had cups of fake blue milk. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And then, you know, walking around the, even walking around the exhibit hall outside the 501st stuff, I just... You know, we'd have Jason stop and like take pictures of me actually because Saturday I went dressed up in a Jedi costume. And so we tried to get pictures of me with as many, you know, cool Star Wars people as we could. And uh, I mean, there was one there was somebody in like a Mandalorian outfit that was like painted like a Batman costume. And we found oh, cool. like a we found a Bo-Katan and a Duchess Satine and, you know, Darth Maul and Darth Vader and a guy in a big giant Wookiee costume and all kinds of stuff. So it was fun. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty cool a convention to go to. I know, of course, not as big as San Diego Comic Con, but oh, yeah. this one looked like yeah, it's a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely not as big as the San Diego one. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, I went a couple of years ago, and I would say I definitely had a lot more fun at this one. Um, partially, probably because I you know dressed up and got to take pictures. It's, it's always cool to take pictures of people in costumes when you can like jump in the picture and be in a costume with them. And you're not just like, hey, I'm a civilian, but... You know, I'm taking a picture with this dude. He's cool. You can be in there like, he's cool. I'm cool. We're both dressed up as Star Wars characters. Heck yeah. You know, I don't really go to many conventions, but are most people where you ask to take pictures of their costume, they're pretty cool about it. Where they don't give words like, yeah, go ahead, take a shot of me. Or are there any that kind of give you a hard time? Like, oh, I'm in a rush. And, <laughs> no, not, not right now or something like that. Yeah, no, people are usually pretty friendly about it. I mean, usually the best you'll get is people being like, yeah, sure. Let's take a picture and being all friendly. And the worst you'll get is usually someone that, you know, will just sort of be, I don't know, normal about it, I guess. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, okay. Or, you know, maybe they won't even say anything, but they'll just like turn and pose for the picture. And then as soon as you uh -huh. take the picture, they'll just walk off and kind of, you know, going about their business. But yeah, I didn't have anybody that was like, no, I don't want to take a picture with you or something like that. Or, you know, I mean, occasionally there'll be somebody that's, you know, in a really cool costume or something and a bunch of people want to take pictures with them and then you know but they'll have somewhere to be and if they have to go they'll be like sorry guys you know i'll try to take pictures later or something but i really got to go right now and so you know you can't always take pictures with everybody but that doesn't mean they're like jerks about it so but sure, yeah i mean yeah. you know usually if you go to a convention like that and you're dressed up in costumes like you want to you want people to take pictures of you because you know you're there to be seen and people put a lot of hard work into those so yeah you're yeah, kind of asking for it yeah they're usually pretty cool about it that's good yeah, and then um, oh, and then Saturday night I I dominated at a Star Wars trivia contest too. That was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I remember you texting me about that. I was like, man, I'm going to dominate this, and like an hour later, I already got first prize, and it's not even over yet. <laughs> yep, yep. Because how that went was it was a um, basically the the contest was sort of set up where they would give you quotes from the movie, and you had to say which character said it. 
And uh, it was sort of, you know, it was just like a general audience participation thing. It wasn't like, um, you know, they didn't select like panelists ahead of time or contestants or anything like that. It was just of all the people in the room, if you knew the question first, you'd raise your hand. And if you were the first one with your hand up, they'd call on you. And if you got it right, then they'd take your name down and, you know, basically just keep track of everybody who answered and see who got the most. And, uh, you know, they had some cool prizes up there. They had like some action figures and some Star Wars comic books and stuff like that. And basically just, you know, the person who got the most questions right by the end got first pick of the prizes and second place got second pick and so on. And, uh, but yeah, about, I mean, the thing went for like an hour and about 45 minutes into it, I had 13 points and the person in second place had six. And so they were like, okay, Kyle, you know what, we're just going to give you first place and, you know, you can just let everybody else answer the questions for the rest of the thing and try to get some points. <laughs> Well, that's funny and awesome at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Was was there even a tough question for you, or is it just all pretty basic stuff that pretty much any diehard Star Wars fan would know? It is, some of them were a little bit tough, um, but and, and there were there were also a couple that I was a little sketchy on. I was like, that doesn't even sound like it's from the movie. And there were a <laughs> couple that I thought, you know, they had either phrased wrong or that maybe they accidentally took it from you know the book or you know instead of the movie or something like that. Um, and I did get a couple of questions wrong just cause, you know, I maybe said the wrong thing or, um, I, there was one where, uh, he said, you know, in my experience, there's no such thing as luck and, or it, it may, I don't remember if that was the exact line, but it was something in that exchange between Han and Obi-Wan. And I said the wrong one of those two. And as soon as I said it, I was like, Oh crap, no, it's the other <laughs> one who says that. But, um, yeah, it, it was fun though. And, uh, by the end of it. Some people were kind of annoyed at me for answering all the questions, but I was like, hey, you know what? I'm here to win. <laughs> exactly. And I and I got the uh, one of those Darth Vader, um, like the unleashed action figures that they had out a few years ago, where it's sort of like the mini statues of the characters and like those cool poses and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I got a Darth Vader, one of those that's uh, pretty cool looking. So I was like, yeah, that's a pretty neat trophy to have. Yeah, those figures look really cool. I know I had a few of them back for uh, when episode three was coming out. I got a bunch of like the Grievous, Anakin, or Obi Wan's. So I've always loved those characters or the those line of action figures when they came out. Yeah, and I actually don't have any of the. Uh, I don't have any of those big ones. I think they did. They they kind of did something in the same line where they had miniature ones, and I think I might have had a few of those. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't have any of the big ones until now. And, of course, Darth Vader is always a good first to add to your collection. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure out of all the Unleashed toys, it's kind of hard to look cooler than his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially because I, I still have it in the package. And he's got, like, this base that he comes on that looks flat in the package. But then if you look on the back, it looks like it's a... Um, kind of like a staircase that actually stands up a few inches and he, you know, you set him up in the pose where he's like jumping off the top of the stairs. Um, and okay. I'm guessing it's supposed to be something like from his duel with Luke, either on the second death star or in cloud city. And so, you know, once I take this out and set it up, I'm sure, you know, that base like folds up into a staircase or something like that. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. And I don't think I've ever asked you this. With the stuff you collect, are you someone who displays everything and opens them up? Or there are certain ones that you keep in the package and you just don't like to open? No, I, like I, I take everything out. Um, mostly because really all the stuff I've been collecting lately has been the three and three quarter inch figures. Uh, um, and with those, I'm like, there's, at least in my opinion, I don't really see a point in keeping those in the case because, 
you know, you can have Anakin standing there with his arms at his side and his lightsaber suspended next to him, or you can take him out of the case and, you know, put him in a cool pose with his lightsaber in his hand. And, uh, you know, it's not like I take him out and, you know, play with him all the time, but I at least like to take him out and, you know, set him up on my shelf and put him in cool poses and, have, you know, give him all their weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, back uh, when I was a teenager when the special editions were coming out and they had the power of the force line was just being uh, re-brought back. I always, back then, well, I would have to try to get two, one to keep in the packaging and one just to have out and put on display. But as the years went by, it was like, you know what? I, when I'm going to get a toy, I want to have it on display and just, uh, just have it show, show it off and just have it look cool on like a shelf or something. Because if I'm going to keep it in the packaging, chances are they're really not going to be worth anything down in the future. Because I don't think any of the toys they've really gotten from since the special editions onward have really amounted to being worth anything. And they just look cooler out on display. So I used to be that way where I had to collect it to keep it in the packaging. But now it's like if I throw the toy I want, I'm just going to open it and put it on display. Yeah. Because with Star Wars, I'm never going to sell anything Star Wars anyway, so <laughs> there's really no point to have it, keeping it for, to have it be worth more or anything. So, yeah, yeah just get yeah. it because it's cool. And, you know, I'm the same way. In fact, there have been Clone Wars figures that I've gotten that, you know, a couple years later I've looked them up and I'm like, oh, that one was really rare. And, you know, I like, I think I've got a, uh, I've got an Ala Sakura figure from like the season two line of Clone Wars action figures that, you know, I just happened to randomly see at Target one day and I was like, oh, that's a cool figure. I'll buy it. And, you know, I bought it for like eight or nine bucks or whatever. And a couple of years later, I was like, oh, apparently that was a really rare figure at the time. And now it's going for like 45 bucks online. I'm like, maybe I should have kept that in the package. I'm like, nah, but she looks pretty cool on my shelf with all my other Jedi characters, you know, waving their lightsabers around and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not too worried about keeping collectibles in mint condition and keeping them on the package and all that kind of stuff. Same here. Yeah. I used to be, but yeah, <laughs> I changed my ways. I think for the better, <laughs> but I did have a friend who, uh, you, you know, about the, like the rarest Star Wars toy is that Jawa was either the cloth or the plastic cape. That's is like it? worth a thousand bucks or something like that. Wow. I'm not sure I even knew that. I'm sure. Yeah. I, like I've probably heard it somewhere before, but again, I, you know, I don't pay attention to, really the sort of the collectible value of it. Uh -huh. I just want the cool figures. So, you know, that probably, I probably saw that and it kind of went in one ear and out the other. Uh, yeah. But a friend of mine actually had that as a kid. And when he's like years later, when he saw the price for, he's like, he couldn't believe that yeah. he didn't have his figures anymore. It's like, Oh man. <laughs> but just yeah. funny that out of all the Star Wars action figures out there, the rarest one would be a Jawa. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, why would people want to pay a thousand bucks for that? Yeah. But you know, it's kind of cool because on the one hand, like if that were me, on the one hand, I'd be like, darn, I wish I had that so I could sell it for a thousand bucks. On the other hand, it kind of gives you bragging rights because even if you don't, you know, even if you don't have it anymore, it's like if you're talking to somebody who's a hardcore collector and they're like, oh yeah, that one really cool Jawa figure that's like a thousand bucks, you'd be like, yeah, well, you know what? I had that as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have it now, but you know, I still had it. <laughs> even so, like there's these rare collector's items like a, like Star Wars somewhere, like the rarest comic, like action comic number one is sort of like a million bucks if i actually had that i don't think i'd ever be able to part with it <laughs> yeah no matter how yeah, much if... it's worth it's because i it's rare and just it's something that i love so much whether it's star wars or certain comic book characters like i just can't get rid of it no matter how much it's worth yeah yeah now you know i i know you're a bigger comic book fan than i am but like if i happen to stumble across some old you know superman comic or something and bought it at like a yard sale and then found out later it was worth like $50,000 and heck yeah i'd sell it cuz i'm not that big of a comic book collector but yeah with sure. star with star wars stuff though it's like i'd rather 
I'd rather kind of have my nerd cred as the guy who owns the million dollar collectible rather than exactly. the guy who's got a million dollars because he sold his collectible. Yep, feel the exact same way. Though if you do come across any of those rare comics, just call me first before. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a discount. <laughs> Thanks, forty nine thousand. Yeah, be like, hey Tim, see this online for fifty thousand. Uh, how much you got? Thirty five. <laughs> Java offers a sum of 35, and I do suggest you take it. <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> well, anyways, we've kind of gotten off the track of the uh, the Comic-Con thing. Yeah. Um, like I said, I recorded audio of the Sam Witwer panel, um, and it went for about an hour, and he spends a lot of time talking about, you know, like I said, he spends a lot of time talking about Star Wars, but he also talks about sort of, um, he t- says some stuff about acting in general and just sort of things about his career, and he also talks about, other projects that he's done, like Being Human and Dexter and Smallville and some other stuff. And so I actually, uh, this panel was an hour long and um, I started recording like a few minutes into it. And so I got about 50 minutes or so of audio, but then I edited that down to about half an hour where most of it is just him talking about the Star Wars stuff. Um, like I said, anytime he talks about, you know, The Force Unleashed or Clone Wars, or I actually got up there and asked him a question about Star Wars Rebels, so you'll hear that in there. Um, there's also a part where a guy comes up in, like, full Stormtrooper, uh, like, in a full Stormtrooper costume to ask him a question, and so obviously you can't see that in here, but, um, I, you know, knowing that ahead of time, I think you'll know when that part comes up, and it's pretty funny. Um, and you know, it was a great panel and he's great to listen to. And, uh, he's he said some pretty insightful stuff and some pretty funny stuff. And, uh, it was a great time. So if you guys want to go ahead and take a listen to that, we'll play that right now. And then we will, uh, come back at the end of it and talk some more Star Wars. They're with us. And so that was familiar territory and I'm running around, you know, with like a microphone in my hand, pretending it's a lightsaber. <laughs> Never convince me to betray my master. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, the director's like, this is ridiculous. Someone go downstairs and get this guy a lightsaber. We're in Louis' home, for God's sakes. We have these things here. We have tons of them. Go get him one. This is embarrassing. Um, but, but the voiceover elements um, came about two things. One, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't in those cutscenes. You know, when you're, when you're playing the game, the character is saying things. And that, you know, so I was in a voiceover booth and I had to learn how to do that. I wasn't very good at it to begin with. You know, there are moments where I, you know, if I'm playing Force Unleashed, I'm like, whoa, I didn't really <laughs> think that through. <laughs> but uh, it was that. It was, it was the voiceover elements in that game. And then it was also um, convincing Hayden Blackman to hire me as the Emperor for that. So, I mean, you know, because I was like, are, are you getting Ian McDermott to do it? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, then then probably she'd get me to do it. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? I'm like, because I do it good, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually, I remember my buddy David Collins, who was the lead sound designer, and he also played Proxy in The Force Unleashed, he, which he stole the role. They, they had some celebrity in mind that I won't tell you who it was, who would have done it, by the way. And but just David did it really well, and he did it first. So when we were doing these read-throughs, David was uh, doing proxy really, really well until eventually they're like, oh, that's proxy. It's kind of like Anthony Daniels wasn't supposed to be the voice of C-3PO, but people are like Richard Dreyfuss are like, I can't do it better than him. This is awesome. So anyway, 
David says to me, David Collins is saying, look, man, we're going to do a read-through of Force Unleashed. Don't do The Emperor, because let's record it first, and I'll tweak it, and we'll make it sound like, more like Ian McDermott. I'm like, okay. So I didn't prepare it at all. So then we're about to go in through the read-through, and, and Hayden Blackman's like, hey, Sam. Hey, Hayden. Hey, so you think you can do The Emperor, huh? Hayden's like this big football player guy, right? He's the lead of the project. And that's why General Coda, by the way, is the football player of Jedi Masters, right? Football coach. Go out there and get him! Tear that Star Destroyer out of the sky! That's Hayden Blackman right there. So, but Hayden's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And I'm like, well, but, but, and I'm looking at David like, I would have practiced, <laughs> practiced this if you told me not to, you know, you told me not to. So then I just launched into the Emperor, and, uh, and then Hayden said, okay. Well, I guess maybe you'll do it. That's it. Very nice. So that was, uh, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then I, I ended up doing The Emperor for other projects after that. And, you know, may yet do The Emperor in the future. Who knows? How do you do The Emperor? <laughs> Very carefully. Um, okay, there was a line. In, I, you have to really warm up, you know what I mean? But there was a line in, in Force Unleashed. Because the thing with The Emperor is that he's funny. And I don't know that people think about the Emperor as being funny, but he is. He's really, really funny. You know, the... Oh, I'm afraid the deflector sheep with big white operator. You know, so... He's, he's got a great sense of humor when things are going his way, right? So there was this Force Unleashed passage that Hayden wrote. And by the way, Hayden Blackman's a great writer. And he, I was reading these Emperor lines, and I'm like, yeah, he doesn't... He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand how to write for the Emperor. The Emperor wouldn't say this, oh, wait a second, Ian McDermott is a much better actor than me. Okay, and then I look at the script, I'm like, no, this is, this is how the Emperor does it. I'm just not that good. <laughs> so then, uh, but there's this one passage. He's got the rebels all in front of him, and he's, he's got them. He's got all the, all the guys he was trying to, to capture, and, and he's got them there, and he's about to tell them. They've been plotting against him, so he's, he's going to tell them what's happening to him. And I think he says... Uh, you've all been branded traitors to the Empire. You will be interrogated, tortured. You will give me the names of your friends and your allies. And then you will die. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! When I got a laugh for that in one of the read-throughs, I knew that that was, that was right. Because the Emperor is actually, he does have that sense of humor and that beautiful smile. <laughs> One last question, and then we can go ahead and open it up to the audience. So if you guys want to start lining up on my left-hand side, you can. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with some episodes that might be coming out 2015 for Star Wars, Episode 7. Um, they're going to start filming some of those. Now, seeing that you have some background in acting, and seeing that you have some background in voice acting, do you think perhaps you might want to throw in your hat and see if maybe either 7, 8, or 9 could be a possibility of... Just trying to figure out where JJ's kids go to school so I can kidnap them. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, you know what it is? It's, it's like they're gonna... They, they, as I understand it, haven't started the casting project process yet, and uh, I certainly would be interested in, in auditioning, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I... I um, I would really like those movies to be good. You know? And uh, 
so I just I just really hope that they cast a wide net and find the right people. You know, I don't I don't know that everyone here, for example, is a Star Wars fan. You know, Star Wars has always been cast. Uh, who was Mark Hamill, who was Harrison Ford, who was Carrie Fisher? They weren't anyone, you know? <laughs> like, they just happened to have the right personalities. And they had big personalities. And I think, eight, and I think the JJ is, is smart enough to realize we need to have some big personalities for those films. Perfect. All right, we can go ahead and have the first question. Hello. Uh, with the recent acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney and the what? cancellation of <laughs> and the cancellation of uh, Clone Wars and how far they uh, you know recorded in advance. Was there any other arcs that you did with Darth Maul, being that he survived the last season? No, that was it. That was all we had done. Um, I do know a lot about the backs. I know a lot of things. <laughs> um, and the thing is, I mean, I, you know. Even if I were at liberty to tell you what some of those things are, there are forums now through which some of those stories could come through. I really shouldn't say much more than that. Um, but there's some really, really cool stuff about the backstory and you know how these characters figure with these characters and where Mother Towson fits in with all that stuff. Yeah, and so, yeah, there, <laughs> it's, I wish I could say more, but I, I think Filoni would kill me. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, the, the good news is, is uh, you know, there, there are possibilities for some of those stories maybe to be picked up. But the, the, really, that is speculation on my part, to be honest. Like, I, uh, yeah, that's right, this is vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Just again, I'm thinking about the call I'm going to get from Lucasfilm lawyers. Yeah. No, it's, but, but there were there were a lot of cool things that were planned for for sure. Um, you know, I'm just really happy that the fans have been so vocal because that means a lot to me and, and to the other actors and to the to the crew who've killed themselves on that show. And uh, and Helen's certainly happy about seven Emmy nominations. That's pretty cool. Right? Woo! I mean, that's. That show deserves it, man. I mean, I don't know that we're ever going to see that level of uh, production value, you know, and special effects and all that stuff on, a, on an animated budget. We're never, ever going to see it again, you know, unfortunately. That's, that's what happens when you have an eccentric billionaire at the helm, <laughs> you know? George Lucas really wanted to push the uh, envelope of a lot of things. And, uh, and he was there every week. I mean, those are all his stories. So, you know, you want... For those of you who haven't watched The Clone Wars and want more sort of official Star Wars, I mean, that's all George. Thanks a lot. Hi, uh, my name's Alex. Um, um, thinking back to Force Unleashed and me being a big role player and stuff, what's it like knowing that you played a character that pulled a Star Destroyer out of the sky <laughs> and scratched it? Right. Um, I get a lot of dates at these comic conventions. So. <laughs> it's no, no problem. Hey, baby. Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that, that being a really provocative thing, you know, because, like, Force Unleashed was kind of conceived of as, like, a Jedi tall tale, right? So that the audience could decide what, what really happened and what maybe happened in a different way, but, you know, it was, uh, it was all about reimagining all these things and, Pushing them, you know, pushing everything to 11. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hi, 
for the record, you're the Goku of Star Wars now. So. I'm the what? You're the Goku of Star Wars now. It's over 9,000. You're over 9,000. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, don't be in a hurry. That's, that's, no, I mean, really, I, I think every actor feels like they're in a hurry to a certain extent. And, uh, and you're always comparing yourself against friends who are maybe having um, luck or you know, more luck than, than you, know, you are at the moment. But these things happen in strange ways. I mean, there's no one act, I have a lot of actor friends, a lot of successful actor friends. And there is no one story that is similar to anyone else's story. It's always a very personal path, and a very difficult one, but, but it's possible. And uh, so long as, uh, as you're concentrated on the right things, which is basically getting as good as you can. Like, you don't want to rush out there before you're ready and audition before you know what you're doing, because then you're going you're gonna to have some doors closed permanently. Like, they remember three things. Casting agents remember three things. Make that two things. <laughs> I like the three things. They'll maybe remember your name, and they will remember whether you were awesome or whether you were just terrible. And if you were just okay, they won't really remember you, which basically means you have another chance, right? But if, if you were awesome, you get another chance, and if you were terrible, they'll never see you again, and that's it. So you really want to make sure that you're prepared. You want to take classes. You want to really um, investigate all these things and feel confident before you start waiting out there. Don't be in a hurry because your friend got a part of something. That doesn't mean anything to your life, you know? Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, with every voice actor that looks like their character from Star Wars The Force Unleashed, would you be, how would you feel about doing an actual movie? How much money you got? <laughs> I mean, you know, I think we could do it for three thousand um, dollars. No, I would love to. I mean, it would be fantastic. The the question is, what does Disney want to do, right? Um, and uh, I think they have some very definite plans at this point. Um, but you never know. I mean, you never know what part of that acquisition is going to uh, interest them. So. You know, you never say never when it comes to this stuff. I mean, Darth Maul came back, for God's sakes. What a weird move that was. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I remember, you know, finding out about that and being like, <laughs> like it was, Dave Filoni says, yeah, yeah, he survived. George says he survived. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, wonderful. And then I saw in the episode, Darth Maul survived. And they show him in the little crystal ball. And I'm just thinking... Well, the poor sap who has to play that role. <laughs> That's going to suck for him. And then, and then Dave calls me up and it's me. I'm like, oh, great. So, <laughs> but really, it's, you know what it is? It, goes, it comes down to this. It's something that me and my buddies call the wrath of... No, it's the search for spot rule. That if you do really cool things, no one cares that it's weird that you killed Spock and brought him back in the next movie, right? So with Darth Maul, it was like, oh, we better do some awesome things with this character. And so me and Dave worked very hard on that to try to create something really interesting. I mean, the first part was like, it has to be a major cost because he got cut in half, right? So when you saw him, he had to be like 
physically different, but also he had to be just mentally gone, just out of his mind. There had to be a real mental cost to what had happened. So what was fun about that was we're like, oh, cool, you know what we're doing? We're, we're um, showing the audience for the first time, we're showing them the dark side of the force, like the real deal without someone strong enough to filter that. You know, with, without Darth Vader's mask being implacable and you're not being able to read what's going on inside his head. This is what's going on inside Darth Vader's head or the Emperor's head is this madness. And we're now we're just going to show it to you. So that was fun. We had to do a lot of things in that show that, that really shed new light on a lot of iconic Star Wars elements. Hey. Um, well, actually, first of all, I'm a big fan. Um, I love being human. I love Smallville. I love all the work you've done. But uh, you're a big inspiration for me as well, as far as acting goes. You're known for going from calm to intense really quickly, whether it be this, uh, the last scene you are in Smallville or the first time we see Darth Maul in the Clone Wars. Do you do anything to prepare to get that intense so quickly? <laughs> well. Um, there are th there are times where you have to do stuff to get your, to get your heart pumping. I remember um, Armand Asante when I was working with him on an independent film. <laughs> what? <laughs> he would just okay. I'm not going to actually say the word that he said. I'm going to say the word fudge. Right? <laughs> and no matter what scene you were doing, he would he would start the scene. If it was an angry scene, he'd just walk around and be like fudge. <laughs> Oh, oh, you fudge! You know? So he would do that, and I'd be terrified, right? But then we would have a happy scene together, and he'd be like, oh, you fudge. <laughs> you fudge. Oh, you fudge. So that's not how I do it. <laughs> no, honestly, Armand Asante is one of the most talented actors I have ever worked with that guy my god he's good he is such a good actor and I learned a lot by uh, by working with him a lot um, but but I'll do something similar I just won't I won't swear as much but, but I will swear sometimes I mean it depends I mean, if you really need to work yourself up you know I mean I'll, I'll here's here's a little piece of information I was frustrated a little bit with how they were ending David's character, David Davis's character in Smallville, so I think that's a little bit where that came from. Um, a little bit of the frustration and anger came through in the performance. Thank you. Hi Sam. Hi. Thank you for coming to Phoenix. Um, what Hollywood actor would you like the pleasure of working with? Hmm. Or a Hollywood actress? <laughs> um, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Who? What? Clint Eastwood. Now, um, oh God, you know, I, I, see, I, in terms of the actors that, that I want to meet, they're all of the older generation, you know, the Daniel Craig's, the Harrison Ford's, and all those guys. Um, and I, I mean, even Armando Santé, I was like, wow, I get to not only meet, but I get to work with this guy. And I, or David Strathairn is someone that I had a chance to work with. And I know, he's incredible. And uh, it's, it's funny, I, I, 
I take a lot. I have a lot of interest in uh, in the older generation of actors because they know a hell of a lot more than we do, and so I'm always looking for shortcuts. <laughs> so any older distinguished actors that I can, you know, hang out with, I, I definitely try to befriend. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not as mercenary as that. I'm not just trying to, you know, steal their knowledge like some sort of body snatcher or something. But, <laughs> but I, 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 what it is is that I appreciate what they've done. I appreciate how difficult it is and how easy they make it look. Jeff Bridges, for example, there's an actor who, that's a guy who has always made it look so easy, you know? But think about all the actors out there, and, and most actors will stumble. Most actors will have a performance that isn't quite up to snuff. I can't think of a one for Jeff Bridges. That guy has been authentic all the way through his very long career.
game company that wasn't necessarily hindered by certain uh, corporate elements um, would double down on the sequel. And, uh, and they didn't. They, uh, they gave us very, very little time to do that one. And, uh, and you know, you're getting a real honest answer here. And I think, I, again, I think I'm at liberty to say this because those elements of the company are, are long gone. They were gone before the Disney acquisition. And this wasn't, this isn't George Lucas I'm talking about. Like, he was always very supportive and stuff. But there were, you know, there were people who were undermining his vision, unfortunately. And, uh, and thankfully, he took care of that. So, you know, that's, that's the good news there. Thank you for coming to Comic-Con. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> TK421, why aren't you at your post? <laughs> your demographic. <laughs> it's simply that a man has a job to do and, uh, you know, it's, uh, look, I'll tell you what, the, the frown on your helmet isn't helping matters. <laughs> Maybe paint a little smile and get a little bit more, you know, sympathy. You guys are a public relations nightmare. <laughs> Seriously. You guys need to talk to your emperor and get you know, friendlier outfits. I thought you were the emperor as well. <laughs> your incidents will be your undoing. <laughs> said for voice actors, it's like, yeah, you just show up and make a funny voice, and it's like, yeah, if that's all you want it to be, sure, fine, if you want to suck, cool. Um, no, but some people are really good at that, some people actually can make that work. In, in my case, um, I, if you're going to make someone care about it, if you're going to bring some depth to the character, you do have to put as much work into it as you do any on-camera gig. Um, the only difference is that you can look like a total soul doing it. And no one cares, it's fine, you can just be an idiot, <laughs> visually. Uh, but Sam, uh, I know you've talked a lot about Clone Wars already, um, an awesome show by the way, I loved it, and congrats on the uh, Emmy nomination. Thank you. Because uh, Darth Maul, I thought you did an awesome job with that. But uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about the Star Wars Rebels show that's just been announced, and um, you know, like I said, you kind of already mentioned this, but you know, what are the possibilities that we could maybe see, uh, you know, since the show takes place in between episodes three and four, that we could see you uh, come back as the Emperor again, and or have Star Killer in some episodes, and or get some conclusion to the uh, Darth Maul storyline? Sort of <laughs> <laughs> 
What? <laughs> um, look, I mean, I think anything's possible. Um, Since the last movie came out, in, was it six or five? Oh five. Oh five. Oh five. Yeah. It's a while since the last movie, and yet Star Wars is like stronger than ever. Why is that? You know, I think I think the Clone Wars is the reason that Disney had to shell out four billion as opposed to maybe two. You know, I mean, it kept the fan base uh, alive and and really uh, fed them. You know, and and sort of Force Unleashed. So, uh, but but Filoni is is absolutely the the real deal. And uh, when he gets like a a shot at a feature or something, I want to be there. So in order to do that, I gotta kiss his ass right now. <laughs> you listening, Dave? <laughs> and, and no, I would do anything that he asked. You know, if he wanted me to come and do whatever, I would do it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Starkiller is my, like my favorite Star Wars, Star Wars character of all time. Just wondering if you have any idea, have you been approached about doing a uh, third Force Unleashed? Any idea if that's maybe going to happen? There's, there's been whispers around the company over the years, but, but it's really all up to Disney and, and what their priorities are. And right now, I think their priority is making sure that Episode 7 is as good as it possibly can be. And I think that is a worthy priority. I think that, that there's always an opportunity to go back, but I think the first thing that needs to be taken care of is that Star Wars Episode 7. And I think that all roads need to lead to that right now. After that, and after that's a success, then I think you can do whatever you want, including Force Unleashed 3. Certainly hope to see one. Yeah, thank you, Chef. What's up, Starkiller? What up, man? I had a question. If Warner Brothers came to you, um, to take on the role of Dark Knight in the next Batman reboot in Justice League, would you do it? Sure. <laughs> you know what I would? You know how they they're really anxious about this whole uh, Justice League movie, right? You know, and maybe to the point of impatience, like you guys need to earn it, you know, like they did with Marvel. Uh, one way they could earn it is. Uh, Hire Michael Keaton to play like the Dark Knight Returns version of that character. Okay. You know, it, so long as Man of Steel works, yeah. bring Michael Keaton in as an older, he hasn't been Batman for years, and, and have him come out. Yeah, you know, or have something like that happen with, where there's at least an established, successful film continuity. You know? And then if he won't do it, I'll do it. <laughs> Thank you. Just <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, hey man, they're both 
they, they both have lightsabers. The Sith dress cooler, but the Jedi sleep better at night. So. <laughs> right on. Guys, thank you. So there you have it. Uh, hope you guys found that entertaining. I, like I said, certainly enjoyed being there with Jason and being able to listen to Sam, you know, talk Star Wars and talk about his career and all that stuff. Uh, Tim, what'd you think of it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I could listen to Sam what we're talking about Star Wars all day. <laughs> I mean, this is knowledge that he has of the franchise and the character. It's just, it's just great to listen to. I would actually think it'd be cool if they had a commentary track for all six movies just of Sam Witwer. <laughs> I would watch all those because this is knowledge and insightful. This on all, all things Star Wars, which is great to hear. So, but one of the things that kind of caught me or caught my interest when I was listening to the, the panel was that it's not nothing really groundbreaking or new, but just the fact that he did confirm when they asked the question about uh, Darth Maul and any of the bonus content is that he did talk to Dave Filoni about certain story possibilities, but he did finally confirm that they didn't record anything or nothing's been done about that. They just kind of mused over some ideas about it. So I think most people kind of figured that, but there was probably some hope that maybe there was some Darth Maul content in the bonus stuff that we were going to get. But now it's officially confirmed that he hasn't done anything more with Darth Maul than what we saw already. So I thought that was interesting to finally find out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, that was an interesting point. It was also kind of surprising for me because I wasn't really expecting to get any Darth Maul content in the Clone Wars bonus episodes. But, you know, from what we've heard, it seems like there was stuff that they were working on for Clone Wars that isn't going to make it into the bonus episodes. And because they seem to record, you know, at least a year ahead of time with these episodes, I was kind of surprised when he said that he hadn't recorded any more stuff for Darth Maul at all. Um, and, you know, we've heard. Um, interviews where he's talked about how you know he's talked with Dave Filoni and George Lucas about different story ideas and where they could go with the Darth Maul character. But I guess if the show were going to continue, I would assume that we would have seen Maul again in you know season six or at least maybe season seven, and that maybe they would have recorded some dialogue for that. And so uh, you know that that kind of surprised me and had me thinking, well, you know, if the show were going to continue, maybe we weren't going to see Maul again till like season seven or maybe season eight. Or that also, I don't know, kind of adds fuel to the fire a little bit of something that I was thinking about, even as I was re recently re-watching um, some of the episodes from the Clone Wars Season 5 finale, where I was thinking about, you know, maybe how far in advance uh, certain people working on the show might have known that the season finale was going to be the end of the show. Um, and I, you know, I think we've probably talked about this before on our show when we talked about, you know, the Clone Wars getting canceled and stuff. And I mean, Dave Filoni seems like a really nice guy and I don't think he would be like lying to us for all these months and, you know, keeping hidden the fact that this was going to be the end of the show. But when, um, you know, I, I guess just sort of the timing of it, uh, you know, the, the way that the season five finale sort of turned out to be a perfect series finale. I mean, not a perfect series finale, but it's like, if they're going to end the show on that note, it's a pretty good note to go out on. And especially yeah. the fact that with those episodes, they originally were just going to have Ahsoka come back to the Jedi order at the end of it and then change it and said, no, nah, you know what? Let's have her walk away from the Jedi and we'll kind of reveal a little bit of her fate here. And I was like, did they know at that point that maybe the show was going to be over after season five, or at least maybe, 
you know, did that as a precaution because maybe they knew that the Disney uh, takeover was impending or something like that. Um, you know, just kind of stuff that I've been thinking about. And then when Sam Whitworth said that they didn't record stuff in advance, I'm like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe they stopped doing recording sessions because they knew they weren't doing more episodes or I don't know. It's just, you know, that that could just be my mind running wild with speculation, but just some thoughts that popped into my head there. Yeah, and he still didn't give any details of what they did talk about, though, as far as where Darth Maul's story was going. And he even said, too, like, there is still possibility that the story of what they talked about could be explored elsewhere. And, of course, the obvious one now would hopefully be Star Wars Rebels. And like he said in the panel, too, he, if they've asked him to come back for anything, he'll do it. So. Yeah, here's hoping he will. Yeah, I have a feeling that in some way, shape, or form, he will be back as Darth Maul somewhere in Rebels. I just had that feeling. Yeah, I just yeah. I mean, hopefully they could let that go. Yeah, and if you guys couldn't tell, that was me in the panel asking the question about, you know, uh, Rebels and whether we'd see him in there. And especially, you know, I love that part when he does the line as uh, Palpatine from The Force Unleashed, too. And I would love to see him come back and do the Emperor in Star Wars Rebels because... Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he just does a fantastic job with it. And, um, you know, I don't know if they'll have Tim Curry continue doing it as he, uh, you know, took over towards the end of the Clone Wars. But I think, see, I think Sam Witwer would, do, would be a perfect choice because he can do a really good Emperor Palpatine. I don't know if he can do a good Chancellor Palpatine, which obviously you have to have both sides of that in the Clone Wars. But now that you're into Rebels, it's like, you know, Palpatine's already evil. He's running the Empire, and he doesn't have to put on that facade of the kindly old man anymore. And so, you know, Sam Witwer could just go crazy with the, you know, the dark side voice. Yeah, I mean, just as we heard him do the voice in the panel, it's just perfect for that. I mean, I remember finding out he did the voice for Palpatine in The Force Unleashed. I had to, like, double-check. It's like, that a mistake? They did put Sam Witwer's name twice on there <laughs> by accident. Then it give the real person who did Palpatine's voice credit. But because it's just so different from what he's done before, especially from Starkiller. And then, just, yeah, it's just dead on to how you expect Palpatine to talk after seeing him in Return of the Jedi and then Revenge of the Sith. So I was like, yeah, I would love to see him come back as Palpatine for Rebels. Yep, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, he's... I mean, when, I remember when, uh, listening to it and you asked the question, there was like, he kind of had a long pause about that. <laughs> I was kind of curious to see, like, what was his facial reaction towards that question? Because it took a little while for him to answer that. Was yeah, kind of like well, having, like, I can't talk about that or like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what was his reaction when you asked him? It, it was a little bit hard to tell. I, I couldn't tell if he was, you know, if he was sort of like, you know, I can't talk about this and like, you know, sort of what? Like playing dumb or if it was just because I was talking fast and asked a long question and he was like, wait, can you say that again? <laughs> um, you know, it might have been something like that, too, because, you know, get, getting up in front of a room of, you know, a couple thousand people at least i'm not exactly sure how big that room was but it was it was a pretty good sized crowd in there you know getting up in front of all those people and then asking you know one of your favorite voice actors a really long question about star wars stuff that he probably can't talk about i was a little more nervous than i thought i would be but um yeah it was it was fun though and uh i was glad i got to go up there and talk to him so yeah it was a good time yeah it sounded like he had a fun time too doing it the way he was a uh... Yeah, responding to the audience and just cracking jokes like you said with the uh, stormtrooper and then him saying tk421 why aren't you at your post <laughs> oh my great. gosh that was that was one of my favorite moments of the whole convention i gotta say because um i i, I don't even remember because i haven't listened to this in a couple of days but um yeah i don't remember what the question was right before that 
But, you know, then it's like somebody asked a question before that and then they walk away and then the stormtrooper walks up to the mic and then just without a, you know, without missing a beat, Sam Weber just looks at him and goes, TK421, why aren't you at your post? <laughs> and, uh, you know, what? I think, um, the, you know, the people that run Phoenix Comic Con, they were filming all the panels or at least all the big ones that they had in this. Um, I mean, this panel with Sam Weber took place in uh, sort of like the biggest ballroom that they have there at the convention center. And that's the same place where they had panels for uh, some of the other big name actors and celebrities that came for the convention. And so all those big panels in that room, I think they were filming all of them. They're going to put them all on YouTube at some point, uh, you know, hopefully in the next week or so. And so I'll keep checking for that. And uh, when I find a link to, you know, a good video of the whole full length panel, I'll probably post that on Facebook and Twitter if anybody wants to, uh, you know, take a look at the whole panel. And, you know, you can see some of his, uh, you, you get a little bit more of the humor from watching it, I think, because uh, like we, like I said, some of it's a little bit visual and, you know, you can see the guy in the Stormtrooper costume and stuff. And also for any of you guys out there listening, if you happen to be into, um, you know, being human or Smallville or any of the other stuff that Sam Whitworth's been in, I cut that stuff out for putting it in the podcast uh, just, you know, for the sake of keeping it Star Wars related. But if you guys want to listen to that other stuff, like I said, he did talk about that some in the panel too. And so if I find that video, that'll be, you know, the full hour long thing. And so you can check that out if you want to hear more of what he had to say. Yeah, it's cool if they do that, but they do put it online. I wish more conventions would do that. Just put every panel on there just so we could check it out. But then I guess there won't be that big of a draw to go to a convention if they put everything out there for anyone just to see. But yeah, I wish there was more of that. But um, being at the panel, what would you say there was more of a fan base there for Sam Whitmer, like more Star Wars fans, being human fans, or Smallville fans? Or what did you say was a pretty good mix? Um, I guess it was kind of hard to tell of, you know, the general sort of the overall audience as a whole because, you know, obviously I didn't talk to everybody there or, you know, not everybody in the panel got up to ask him a question. But I would say probably the majority were Star Wars fans um, just because of... You know, like not only the Force, well, you know, there's the Force Unleashed, there's Clone Wars, and um, obviously, you know, Star Wars is such a huge franchise. And so for him to be sort of instrumental in two big parts of that, um, you know, I think a lot of people were there for that. But I, I think there were, uh, I'd say probably being human fans were maybe the second most. And, um, and you know, maybe some other people who like first found out about him through Force Unleashed and then watched some of his TV shows or something like that. So I don't know, kind of a mixed audience, I guess, but definitely a lot of Star Wars fans there. And it exactly. seemed it, it did seem like a lot of the a lot of the questions that people asked were uh, you know Star Wars related. Yeah, because I noticed on uh, some of the answers he would give for Clone Wars, he would say things like, um, "For those of you who haven't seen the show or who aren't familiar with it, it was kind of like kind of explain what it was, and it kind of got me thinking: was this more of a?" being human crowd was like there were a lot of people dressed up as vampires or something like that more than silver star wars where you had to kind of explain certain things i didn't really hear that for any like the being human stuff so i just kind of curious to see if there was like one fan base that was more dominant in the crowd than the other but it's cool it was all mixed well i I think there were definitely a lot of star wars fans and when he was saying that stuff like you know for those of you who haven't seen the show it was probably for you know he, he maybe was assuming that a lot of the audience had seen it and then was like okay let me make sure that you know i address the people that are here for you know being human in smallville and you know this whole crowd isn't star wars fans so let me just make sure i you know address those people too yeah but yeah well, like you said it was a great panel I and mean, got some good questions i got some answers to some certain things that we were curious about 
like like what you asked with Star Wars Rebels, and then finding out about how much they were got further down the line with Darth Maul's story. So yeah, it was cool to hear all that stuff, get some answers, and just because an entertaining uh, panel I was like, Sam what was always great to listen to. Yeah, yeah, and you know, one other thing that I really appreciated hearing him say was, uh, you know, when he was talking about the Force Unleashed two, and um, being you know a little bit negative on it yeah, and saying right. how. You know, there were certain corporate elements at the company that didn't give them enough time to work on it and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's something that we as fans kind of knew already. But to hear someone working on the project be that open about it, because usually you'll hear, you know, actors or people involved in a project, you'll hear them try to be supportive of their own projects regardless. I mean, even if people are critical about it or if, you know, maybe someone involved in the project isn't that great to work with. They usually won't come out in interviews and like say that plainly. They might kind of hint at it a little bit or they might seem sort of less enthusiastic about it. But in general, you know, either because they're trying to stay positive or because, you know, maybe somebody's pressuring them to, they usually just seem to kind of smile and go along with it. And, you know, you usually don't find out from them being so, you know, honest and upfront that there was that kind of stuff going on. And so I, you know, I just was sort of maybe a little bit surprised, but then also really appreciative that Sam was just, you know, that open with the fans and was like, Hey, look, I liked being a part of it, but you know, the first one was good. The second one could have been better because they didn't really manage it all that well. So. Yeah, that was definitely interesting to hear. Cause he was all saying how they didn't plan ahead for it, like for the sequel enough time for that. And it also interesting too how he says that, those people who were did make those bad decisions are now out of there and they kind of got weeded out. So yeah, just like you said, just kind of good to get more insight and for him to kind of explain or not explain, but kind of acknowledge that the force unleashed two was a kind of a disappointment to most fans who were, uh, who loved the first one so much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a great panel and, uh, just great to hear, all that stuff he had to say and listen to him talk Star Wars and all that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I could probably go on more about Comic-Con, but you know, it was a fun time. Uh, you know, you guys got to hear the panel and stuff. And, uh, so is there anything else we wanted to cover for this week, Tim? I know there's not really any big news. And the main reason we wanted to do another episode is so I could share that panel with you guys, but we do have a couple more small things, right? Yeah. Just a couple of little things. Uh, first off, it was just announced today that, uh, Episode 2 is actually, the 3D version of Episode 2 is actually going to be screened at uh, Celebration Europe this summer, which I think is cool is that even though we probably won't get a chance to see it anytime soon, I'm, I'm just glad it's not going to waste. Like, the hard work that was put in towards uh, converting it to 3D is finally going to get shown to people to experience it. It's just not going to sit there for who knows how long. Because the early reports from Celebration uh, 6 that kind of showed some previews of it, everyone said it'll look really good and a lot better than Episode 1's conversion, so... I'm just glad that it's not going to waste. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although when I heard that, I was kind of happy and kind of disappointed at the same time because I was like, you know, kind of like you said, I was like, oh, sweet, it's not going to waste and people are going to get to actually see it. And then at the same time, I was like, wait a minute, they said they weren't going to finish these right now. But if episode two is already done and they're going to show it to people, how come we don't get to see it? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not flying all the way out to Germany just to watch episode two and 3D, but I would like to see it because like you said, it sounded like episodes two and three were probably going to be the best ones for 3D conversion since those had a lot more, um, you know, digital cinematography and CGI and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I kind of thought that too, but then I was like, no, Jedi's aren't supposed to be selfish. Let them have this (laughs) exclusive experience. 
Maybe we'll yeah. get some for Celebration Seven that Attachment no one else will get. Jealousy. Yeah, <laughs> but let's shape it up to be a pretty cool uh, or a big uh, celebration where there's going to be a lot of exclusive stuff there. I mean, you got Captain Kennedy going, Dave Filoni's there. We're going to get hopefully our first look at Star Wars Rebels, and now the Episode Two's 3D screening. So before like the Celebration Year, there's nothing really news or breaking news happened there or exclusive things were going on. It was just like a place where fans can kind of meet some of the cast and crew from the different movies in the Clone Wars. But now like this Celebration Europe is going to have a bunch of exclusive stuff where definitely have to keep our eye on it just to see what gets revealed over there. So yeah. like, I can't wait for it to start, even though I'm not going just to hear all the news that happens from there. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, like you said, I kind of at first was thinking, Oh, it's, you know, they're kind of just putting this on for the, the European fans who don't get to come to the celebrations over here. And, you know, there won't be a lot of big news or anything, but you know, they'll just get to meet the actors and stuff like that. But then, you know, I, I don't know if they're just expanding it anyways. And, you know, they want to make the, the overseas celebrations bigger, which could be part of it. But I also think I, I have to believe this has something to do, obviously, with the fact that Episode 7 is in the works. And, um, you know, they, they could save some big Episode 7 reveals for, you know, if there's a Celebration 7 next year. But they could already be, well, you know, hopefully they'll already be filming the movie by that point because it'll be coming out another year after that. But, um, you know, if, uh, since this one's coming, or since this convention is happening, um, you know, sort of right at the start of production or when they're still in pre-production or something like that, it's obviously a good time to maybe finally make some casting announcements or something like that. And, and the fact that Kathleen Kennedy is going in person and I'm not sure if Mark Hamill's going, but I think I did see that Carrie Fisher's going. Yeah, um, she's definitely going. Yeah, and of course, you know, we could still get more guest announcements between now and when the... When actually is that celebration? Is that in July? It's, yeah, it's July 26th to the 28th, I believe. Like okay. the end of July. Yeah, so that's still, you know, a couple months away. So we could still maybe get some last minute guest announcements before then, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I have to think, even if it's not like the, you know, the official big three announcement or anything like that, I think we're going to, you know, they're going to have to show something about, um, you know, or sh either show or say something about episode seven. Obviously they probably won't have anything to show yet because they won't have started filming yet, but hopefully we'll get some information about episode seven. And then, like they said, we'll see the first, uh, either images or previews or something like that from star Wars rebels at this convention, which, uh, you know, they couldn't really do next year because if it's going to start next fall, then hopefully we'll already be seeing, you know, previews on TV for it next summer. So it won't be like a big celebration exclusive type thing. So I think it just so happens that, uh, you know, this one happens to coincide with a lot of timing of upcoming projects that it just happens to be a good time to start revealing sneak previews of stuff and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, for people that are able to go to that one you're uh, pretty lucky because it's shaping up to be a pretty good one yeah definitely this is what you're saying about uh star wars rebels next year just got me thinking i wonder if they're actually going to have the uh, premiere of it at uh if they do have a celebration next year in 2014 because if it's in august crap, it might i have like... to do whatever it takes to yeah. do because <laughs> if it's in august again it just might be a month before it actually premieres and they can have the worldwide premiere at celebration seven. Oh, that, that makes would sense. be awesome yeah but, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as cool as it was to see the season five premiere of Clone Wars at Celebration 6 last year, and that was just one episode to see, you know, the two, and, you know, we knew what it was going to be about, too. We knew that Darth Maul was coming back and all that kind of stuff, and, I mean, it, it, but it was great to, you know, just be able to see it in a big sort of movie theater-sized room with a whole bunch of fans and the Clone Wars voice actors in there and stuff. 
And uh, to be able to go through that experience again, but with it launching an entirely new series, going back to the classic, you know, original trilogy era that a lot of people grew up with. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully that becomes a reality now. (laughs) Yeah. But, in uh, fact, well, you know what? Since they did that for season five of Clone Wars, and it's like now that you mention it, and because it's that, if well, if they do a celebration next year, because we don't even know if there will be one or not, but if there is, I can almost guarantee you that that will happen. Yeah, it just makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't they? If it's yeah. Be oh man, that would be so cool. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Star Wars Rebels, uh, nothing too new to report on it, but there are some small things if. Uh, you're following Dave Filoni and uh, Greg Wiseman on Twitter. More so Greg Wiseman because he's been tweeting a lot about it. Uh, just this past weekend, he sent out a tweet saying that uh, he just got back from Lucasfilm after his first full week working on Star Wars Rebels. And he said they broke down the entire first season. And he says, trust me, it's a quite a ride. So it's cool to know that the first season's already mapped out. They have a plan set. And now they just have to start writing the episodes and making them. So things are progressing nicely with Star Wars Rebels. But... Another interesting tweet that Craig Wiseman put out was that uh, he's been uh, taking some fan questions on Twitter. Then someone just straight out asked him, are we going to see Clone Wars characters in Star Wars Rebels? And he just uh, replied back saying, uh, that would be spoilers, so no comment. Which to me, it translates to, yes, we're going to see some uh, Clone Wars characters in Star Wars Rebels. Which maybe not be a surprise to some, but for me, I think it's just uh, great to finally get some... It's not a confirmation, of course, but to get some acknowledgement that, yeah, it's more likely that they're going to show up in, in all cases, it's season one, since they already said they have the first season broken down. So he knows what's going to go down this first season. So I thought that was some cool new stuff to tide us over, I guess, till we get more new Star Wars Rebels news. So if anyone's not following Greg Wiseman on Twitter and you're looking forward to Star Wars Rebels, I suggest you follow him because you may get some pick up some early clues by some of the tweets he puts out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I noticed the same thing. I saw those... Well, I don't know that I saw the, the tweet that you were talking about with the Clone Wars characters, but I definitely saw the one where he was talking about how they had already, you know, come up with the whole first season. And, um, you know, I, obviously I wasn't following this guy on Twitter before because I hadn't really heard of him um, until, you know, the Star Wars announcement, although I had heard of shows that he's done, like Gargoyles and Young Justice and stuff like that, but hadn't been, like, a huge fan, and so I wasn't really aware of Greg Wiseman himself. But then, uh, you know, obviously once I found out he was on Twitter and that he was involved with Star Wars, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll follow this guy. And pretty much immediately started noticing that he tweets a whole lot more than Dave Filoni does. And so if you're hoping to pick up some, you know, little hints and tidbits through social media about, uh, you know, some things that we might get to see in Star Wars Rebels, yeah, like you said, Tim, definitely uh, follow this guy and uh, be checking out what he has to say. Unless Lucasfilm tells him to be quiet and not <laughs> tweet as much anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it's not like he, uh, it's not like he put out any big spoilerish stuff. Yeah. And you know, there, I mean, there are Clone Wars voice actors and other people on the crew who tweet a lot, and you know, they'll say something like, "Oh, we just recorded a really cool Clones episode," or "Oh, you know, stuff coming up this season is going to be really emotional, and Anakin and Obi Wan have a great moment together," or something like that. And so, you know, that's not spoilerish; it's just kind of stuff hinting at what's to come. And so, um, you know, sweating our appetite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And as of right now, uh, Greg Wiseman is really the only person we know of that's going to really do any wedding of the appetite because Dave Filoni doesn't tweet a whole lot. Um, although he did just tweet out another image of a, uh, a sketch of a TIE fighter pilot helmet that he 
sketched along, you know, to go along with the TIE fighter that he drew that we saw a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you know, of course, Dave Filoni will, it's like whenever he does drop hints, they're usually pretty juicy hints. He'll be like, hey, guys, sorry you haven't heard from me in a while. Here's a character sketch and, you know, get all excited for what this person might be like. Yeah, Um, that's true. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Greg Wiseman will be, um, you know, we might be able to catch some smaller hints more frequently. Yeah, I guess Dave's tweets are going to give us uh, the more visual clues or uh, sneak peeks at certain things, and Greg Wiseman would be would do it verbally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, uh, what he writes. Yeah, because even I think I remember like after season four of Clone Wars ended, Dave Filoni uh, posted like a uh, character design picture on Facebook of what Bogatan looked like without her helmet, and yeah, right. said that uh, you know we didn't get to see this this season, but you'll see it next season, and you know then went back into being reclusive for a couple months before we heard from him again. But it's like whenever he does pop up and, you know, grace us with his presence on Twitter and Facebook, he's usually got something cool to bring with him. Yeah. He usually brings gifts when he goes to social media. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) He's like the Santa Claus of star Wars creators. (laughs) But yeah, that was about it for the news for anything for star Wars rebels, nothing news, but just little hints and tidbits that, the producers are putting out there and then nothing really new going on with any episode seven news. But I will say that I did finally see Star Trek into darkness this past weekend. And yes, like you said, Kyle, episode seven is going to be amazing with JJ Abrams. I thought Star Trek was great. I just can't wait to see him take on star Wars. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I already want to go see Star Trek again. Yeah. Same here. Um, Well, I think I said that on our last episode that I want to go see it again, but I haven't seen it again yet. So hopefully I'll do that in the next couple weeks or so. Yeah, same here. I definitely want to go back and see it too. Yeah, good stuff. Glad you finally got to see it. And uh, yeah, if any of you guys out there haven't seen it yet, definitely well recommended. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's pretty much it for uh, for this week, right, Tim? Yep. Yeah, uh, we, we, <laughs> we thought this was going to be a pretty short episode because I was like, well, I'll just share the... Uh, you know, the Sam Witwer interview, and then we'll talk about a little bit of stuff, but we won't have a whole lot. But I'm looking here, we've already recorded like over 40 minutes, and that's without editing the interview into it. So this will probably be another pretty long episode. But, you know, hopefully you guys enjoy listening to us talk Star Wars and going off on tangents about collectible Jawas. Yes, who wouldn't want to hear about Jawas? (laughs) I don't know, but good stuff. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in as always. Uh, you know, you can check us out on Facebook, look up star Wars, the saga continues. You can follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC. You can send us email at Kyle or Tim at clone wars podcast.com. And, uh, you know, you can always, uh, leave us a review on iTunes as well. If you listen to us through there and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be back, uh, in not too long with, uh, another episode for you guys and maybe we'll have some more big episode seven news or something about rebels or clone wars bonus content or any of the other big uh, exciting projects coming up in fact if we don't have anything if we don't have any movie news in the next couple of weeks we'll probably do an episode after e3 to cover whatever uh gaming news ea comes out with about you know the future of their star wars games and what they're going to do with that license so obviously lots of exciting stuff going on uh, you know, keep your eyes out for, you know, updates and all that other kind of stuff, um, you know, through Twitter and Facebook and all your other, you know, usual Star Wars news outlets. And we will let you know anything that we find. Until then, may the Force be with you and we will see you guys next time. See you, everyone. See you.